I first met Reg and Karen Bethencourt of Creative Soul Photography when they came to teach for the family narrative. We originally brought them on as teachers because of their remarkable studio portraiture, but ultimately fell completely in love with them and their kindness, their humor, their ingenuity, and their dedication to doing things on their own terms, both with photography and just in their lives. At the time, they had just signed a book deal to turn the personal project that they had been working on, which celebrated black hair and black beauty with stunningly creative portraits of children, into a coffee table book. And now, two years later, that book is sitting right in front of me on my desk, not to mention on the New York Times bestseller list and the shelves of every bookstore in the country. It's called Glory, Magical Visions of Black Beauty, and I am going to highly recommend that you purchase it, not only for your own coffee table, but for anyone on your gift list this year who is a child, has a child, or just appreciates beautiful photography and inspiring stories. I feel so lucky and grateful that Reg and Karen were able to squeeze This Can't Be That Hard into their busy schedule. And I am so excited to share this interview with you as the very last new episode of 2020. In case you missed that announcement, during the month of December, while I focus on the win-win-win $1,000 year-end challenge and doing a bit of holiday relaxing, I will be sharing some other gems during my normal Tuesday spot. And then, of course, I will be back with brand new material for the new year starting January 1st. And speaking of the challenge, registration is still open through December 8th at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash challenge, and I would love to have you join me. But for now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Reg and Karen, I am not only excited, but truly honored to have you on This Can't Be That Hard. How are you guys today? Doing well, doing well. Thank Thank you for for having us. We're so excited to be here. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What a year it has been for the whole world. But for you guys, I know that the process of writing your book started ages ago at this point, but, but I know that this year it's sort of all, I guess it was right around this time last year, just a couple of weeks from now that we, that I actually got to see you in person in Atlanta when I was down and then saw you again in March, literally right before everything closed down. But it was, I feel like the conversation that we had back in December, you were at that point, you were just like, oh, the finish line. It seems so far away. We were like, oh my gosh. Because, you know, we started shooting for this book in 2018. And, you know, we were thinking that it was going to launch 2019. And so last year, like so ready. And then they said, Oh, we're going to push it out to 2020. And we were like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) So yeah, it was, uh, that was tough. Imagine, you know, as as photographers, we like to be able to share work. So imagine having to hold on to work that, you know, some of your best work that you've shot for two years and not be able to to show it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was difficult, but it actually ended up being the right move. It was, I think you, you know, we definitely had would have had much better traction this year than we would have last year. And 
it, I think it just fell into the right time. So yeah, we looking back on it, I think it was the right decision. But at the time in the middle of it, we were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I imagine. So I feel like we jumped into the middle of the conversation. Let's back up just a second and and sort of start at the beginning. As I mentioned in the introduction, you guys just released your book, Glory, Magical Visions of Black Beauty, which is available everywhere that you can buy books. (laughs) And, And I want you to kind of start off by telling us a little bit of the history of this book and where the idea came from and and how it went from idea to book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people know us for our Afro art series. So that's a series where we showcase the beauty and versatility of Afro hair. And it was really just a project and in getting our young kids to be able to accept themselves um, for who they are and accept their natural beauty. You know, a lot of times as kids uh, growing up self, we did not really accept our own natural curls. <laughs> it was kind of taught to us that we had to have straight hair or, you know, whatever in order to be acceptable. And so we started this project around 2017, uh, 2018 was when we got the book deal with St. Martin's Press. And as we were talking about the book, we decided, you know, we wanted it to be more than just a focus on style and hair. You know, we wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper into the kids' stories. We had met so many different kids along the way that had some amazing talents. You know, we had an eight-year-old neuroscientist, a DJ, you know, just so many different kids that were doing these amazing things. And we just felt like they really deserved and they needed a platform and they needed for the world to be able to see their excellence, you know? (laughs) So that's really, you know, the kind of background behind the, I guess the why behind uh, the book. Mm -hmm. And, and really that's what it is. It's a, I say it's a, it's a book filled with black kid excellence, right? Yeah. You know, so many times there are so many negative stereotypes of uh, black youth and, you know, this is an opportunity for a world to see a different narrative, to see, you know, to see young scientists and to see, you know, all these different kids, activists, kids that are just doing amazing things and, you know, just to really kind of shatter those existing stereotypes. These kids don't really know what they can be unless they're exposed to it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. In our community, we are mostly exposed to like just uh, music and uh, yeah, just sports. sports so. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's like you said. It's it's really just showing them, you know, just the range of different things mm-hmm. that that they can be. <laughs> yeah, and with with that range, one of the things that I really appreciated is that a lot of these kids are truly exceptional, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're sort of, they've taken these paths that are like, Mm -hmm. I love it when I look at a kid and I'm like, great, I'm 41. (laughs) But but there are also a lot of kids in there who have very normal stories, just like I have dreams of, you know, traveling to all 50 states was one of them. Exactly. exactly. I mean, there are so many different, and really that's what we wanted. We wanted, because, you know, a lot of times too, I think, you know, we have to kind of tread lightly on that excellence thing because I don't want kids to feel like you have to be this, you know, top, uh, you know, scientists or whatever, you know what I mean? Like just really being themselves is okay as well. And, you know, we, and we also showed stories. So stories like there's a kid that had to deal with domestic violence at an early age, like her parents were, her mom was killed by her father due to domestic violence. And that's some a situation that she had to deal with. There are a couple of kids in Ghana that we 
met that had to, they're not able to afford to go to school, right? And so we tell those stories as well. So we kind of, I really wanted to show the range because I wanted kids to be able to see themselves no matter what. And, yeah. you know, not only have things to aspire to, but also see stories that they could relate to. Yeah, I loved that part when you did sort of the side trip to, was it, it was like, I can't remember the name of the town, but the fishing village in Ghana. Oh, yes. uh-huh. And I liked that you very specifically pointed out because one of the things as you're reading through, and I know mm-hmm. that a lot of these kids are professional models right. and that sort of comes in most cases, I think with a fair amount of privilege, you know, parents who are able to right. take them and support that and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I liked that you actually explicitly talked about your choice to, you know, you wanted to have that representation of a broader variety of kids. And yeah, I thought, you know, all of those stories, the story of the six-year-old who lost her mom when she was three Mm -hmm. and living with her grandmother and all those sorts of things. I mean, it was really, it was so touching in Mm -hmm. so many ways and the stories of these kids who are doing these amazing things. So I I felt, you know, if that was your mission to to (laughs) sort of showcase a wide variety, you absolutely did it. Awesome. Thank Which leads me kind of to my next question. What you, you signed this book deal and started to, to do, you know, the work for the book, but what was the, what was the nature of that deal in terms of, did you approach them with an idea? Did they come to you with an idea? Like how did that process work? I will say that we actually were really, really lucky in that the Afro art series had gone viral. And I think that kind of gave us a, a broader platform in terms of additional eyeballs that probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have been on our work. Yeah. Um, and from that, the publisher at St. Martin's actually came to us and she just said, Hey, you know, I've seen your work. I don't have kids, but my future kids need this book. Yeah. <laughs> and I was lucky in that she really walked us through the entire process. She was really invested in terms of it was personal for her. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a work thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wanted this book personally because she believed in it that much. And so, you know, I had no idea about the publishing process or any of that. And so she said, Hey, you know, you guys are going to need an agent. She's like, I'm going to refer some that I think would work for you, but I want you guys to choose one that you feel comfortable with. She sent us three and the one that we chose, she just ended up being like, she was spot on, right? <laughs> like she understood the whole natural hair movement. She understood, you know, our work. She was, she was familiar with our work. She knew what we do, what we did. And, you know, it was just a natural fit. So all of that just really kind of came together um, that way. And, I would just say that we were really lucky and blessed in that process because she already loved our work in terms of our actual, the the shoots, like she let us really just do our thing the way that we want it to. They didn't, you know, really give restrictions in terms of, okay, you have to shoot it this way, or you have to do exactly this. She let us, you know, really control the creative part of it. And so we were, we were lucky in that part that we just, were able to do work that we were already comfortable with and that felt good to us. Yeah. I mean, literally not, not one change at all. Yeah, they didn't really have as, changes you know, in terms of the actual or... artwork. You know, a lot wow. of the back and forth was kind of with the with the text and the title, the 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 title and the the subtitle, all of that was a lot of back and forth. But yeah, in terms of the actual art, it was, hey, you know, we trust you guys on this. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was a really interesting process. 
And so when they came to you and they said, we love this Mm -hmm. work that you're doing, which the Afro art project that you had done prior to that was pretty much just a personal project, correct? Right. Exactly. Yep. And how long had that been like time-wise? So so the way that the Afro art series kind of played out was that we had originally been doing a lot of, for our personal work, we were doing a lot of group shoots and other things, environmental type shoots, you know, where we would photograph three girls in Harlem or whatever it is. Um, And we really just wanted to, you know, as artists, we get bored really easily. (laughs) And so we were like, how can we, you know, just expand our work and try something a little bit different. And so we wanted to do some more work in studio and, but I still wanted it to be kind of true to our style. And so that's really when we started, we're like, okay, we're going to try this and we're going to do a theme in studio. So whether it was steampunk or, you know, playing around with different natural elements or whatever it was. You you kind of have to for studio because there's only so much that you can do. You don't have like an environment to play with. Right. (laughs) And so we started doing these. And as we started to do them, more clients started to say, hey, how can I get photos of my child like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so then that's when we started traveling all over. So we did that for about a year. So we traveled different parts of the U.S. and each city we would travel to, we would do the Afro art series, people would sign up for sessions, and then we would do a different theme for each location. So at the time, it wasn't really, it was a well thought out, well planned, okay, we're going to do this series and it's going to be our master series kind of thing. Yeah. It was more of, hey, we're bored, can we, <laughs> can we, you know, actually do something in studio and then how can we make it true to our style and then what happened was that after that after we just started doing that series a blogger had reached out to us and said hey I would love to feature your series and we're like okay yeah it's a series right <laughs> so, so yeah so we um we put it all together and you know put together some of the different some of our best photographs from each location and she shared it and literally within about two days i think it went viral some people other i know what i noticed was that other blogs started to pick it up from that site and then another blog or another site would pick it up from there and then you know i would say so that was around l- late 2017. So I think around January, February of 2018 was when we heard from the publisher from St. Martin. So yeah, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was a little crazy, but it was, it was a whirlwind back then. It was just so much going on in terms of, you know, managing, you know, that whole thing in terms of going viral and still trying to work and, you know, everything else. But, <laughs> but sure. It, because when you sign a book deal, I presume that you have some sort of like signing money or like an advance mm-hmm. of some sort. So then yep. you've got a budget, but my suspicion is that it's probably not enough to like stop working altogether. Exactly. Like you still have to work. Yes. <laughs> and I said, that's exactly. what people don't understand. Like literally we still, we had to do that on top of our regular work. So we were still slammed with the regular and, and think about it, you know, coming off of going viral, you mm-hmm. have a lot of inquiries coming in. So you have a bunch of bookings. And now on top of that, we're shooting a book, fair time, right? right. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's, that's, that was a lot of work. And we, you know, we decided, you know, that we wanted to travel for this book and that made it even more difficult because now we're, you know, coordinating with hairstylists and, you know, models in different countries uh, <laughs> that we had never worked with before. Well, not only the phone, but, but getting back no, to people text, in, a, yeah. in a timely manner. Right? Right. Yeah. 
like I realized that other countries sometimes, you know, it's acceptable to to hear back, you know, three weeks later. Right. right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Right. Bookings are closed. Yeah. Right, exactly. Oh man. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was a definitely interesting process. So you guys traveled around to several locations in Africa. Mm-hmm. So Kenya, yep. South Africa, Ghana, right? Yep. And then we did Europe. We did uh, London, Paris. We, we included in there, but we didn't actually, you know, do that just for the book. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then all over the U.S. So what was it that made you, I mean, I obviously the diversity of representation mm-hmm. is great, but on the other hand, adding all that travel not only changed your budget, but also was... Yes you know, added a lot of logistical stuff. So what was the, what was the main driver there? Yeah, that was really important to me because like Reg said, you know, growing up, we didn't, I didn't, I wasn't in the type of family where we just traveled, you know, (laughs) our travel was like Six Flags, right? Which was like an hour away. Right. (laughs) Um, Like we never really got to experience any of that. So the idea of this kid in Brooklyn, being able to see, you know, a kid in South Africa or a kid in Ghana and challenging the stereotypes of what they thought even, you know, even I I hear it with, you know, my, my nephews and nieces growing up, they have no clue of, you know, what kids are like in Kenya or Ghana or whatever. So that was super important for me having us having traveled before and traveled to various um, countries and different locations. You know, it was just important for me to have these kids be able to see other kids in other countries and experience them as well. So, you know, even though it made, it definitely made the project much tougher, it was, you know, worth it in the long run because I I wanted kids. Hang on guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that this can't be that hard? Isn't the only podcast I host each month. My marketing director, Dana and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called the consistency club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join the consistency club where you get the extended version of the podcast, along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. Yeah. I'm always curious when somebody has a personal project that then turns into a big commercial success or, I mean, in this case, a book, how that goes from just an idea that you get to execute kind of on the fly that's ever evolving to somebody else who's, okay, I need to hear all the details about this and like where it's going and where it's been. How, when somebody approaches you a year or a year plus into this kind of meandering personal project, how do you then, or how did you then turn that into a more kind of polished concept that was book ready? What was your process for that? I would say a couple of things. One is that, you know, we are kind of used to doing everything on our own for the most part. <laughs> so you are pretty much a one-stop shop. For two yeah. Except for, you know, our hairstylists. Yeah. And then we'll obviously bring in, you know, designers, you know, for, for different things. But 
for the most part, like we do all the styling and, you know, the concept and everything else. So, you know, for this, just because the project was so big, we did, we still did most of it on our own, but we had to, you know, coordinate. I know that when we went to Kenya, it was our first time visiting Kenya. And one of the models that we had worked with before was from Kenya. She lives in Kenya. And so her mom was really just key in terms of helping us coordinate and, you know, find different people and get resources. And even when we got there, you know, they, they were so just hospitable, right? Like they, you know, helped us, you know, she cooked for us and, you know, just did uh-huh. everything in terms of helping us to navigate, you know, a new place. And so we really had to rely a bit more on, you know, other folks to help us a bit so that we could make it, you know, so that it could, you know, be a little bit more seamless and so that we could make sure, because, you know, there are no you know, <laughs> we couldn't really be like, whoops, we didn't get this, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's a lot of pressure. So we had to do, you know, kind of take extra steps to make sure that we were going to be able to deliver and get the shots. I think that's kind of the biggest difference as opposed to when we're doing it ourselves, you know, we can just be like, okay, well that didn't really work out, you know, <laughs> but for a commercial project, the other thing is, you know, kind of getting, you know, now we're, or I'm kind of jumping ahead. We're working on another book now. We have a different publisher, but I'm now I'm noticing kind of the differences. But for this publisher, this particular publisher that we work with for Glory, like I said, she was kind of open to whatever we wanted to do, but I still sent in, you know, just sneak peeks just to make sure that we were on the same page, right? And to make sure, hey, you know, this is kind of the direction I'm thinking, this is where we're headed. And that gave them opportunity to, you know, if they did have something or input or, you know, whatever that they could, you know, see that before. So that's another thing is just having, you know, kind of close communication with the client so that we're making sure that they get what they are, you know, are hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. You organized, I guess that question of like, how did this go from a sort of loose idea to more cohesive concept came when I was reading. And I, I love the way that you've organized this into sort of three areas, the, you know, past, present, and future. How did, what, what inspired that particular choice? Yeah, we were kind of thinking about our work and what I was, what I'm always worried about. uh, (laughs) And especially what I've learned is that once you, let's say you have a, a series that, you know, gets a lot of traction people kind of want to box you into that, right? (laughs) And I really don't like to be boxed in too much, even though, you know, we definitely, we have a lane and we have, you know, kind of our, uh, I guess, outer box that we kind of stay in. But within that, I like to be able to kind of still get creative and, you know, have just room to to grow, right? And I felt like I wanted to, you know, our work fell into past, present, and future. Like we're obviously a lot of times um, paying homage to the past and, you know, dealing with things that are going on in the present, but we're also, we love like Afrofuturism and being able to, you know, just think about what the future could be like. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the thought process behind that was that, you know, already our work was kind of falling into these different, you know, genre time periods, past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to kind of stick with that. But we also, like I said, we wanted to kind of give a nod to paying homage to the past, you know, celebrating the the present and then obviously just imagining or reimagining the future. So yeah. 
keep the culture alive and also reintroduce it to the children. Yeah, yeah. Like when we went to Kenya, we decided to kind of pay homage to the Maasai culture there. I just think that it's so cool. Like they yeah. did the, the textures and the colors and, you know, the just eating. everything. Yeah, everything yeah. About, about it is really cool. And I feel like a lot of times the young, the youth don't necessarily know. <laughs> they don't have that connection that, you know, their parents did to it. And so for us, it was figuring out a way to to kind of bridge that connection. So I had our designer, you know, we, we put together mood boards that were kind of traditional Maasai, you know, inspired clothing pieces, but I asked her to create something that was more modern from it, right? So create, do a modern take on Maasai fashion. And so that was a way for you know, young folks to kind of get excited about it and see, oh my gosh, these clothes are really cool, but still pay homage to, you know, the traditional Maasai Mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. Yeah. So any funny stories from on the road, like mishaps or misadventures? (laughs) We already know what that that story is. That is um, (laughs) London. Oh my goodness. So the first, actually, that's the first shoot in the book. So if you look in the book, the first the first shoot is this, we wanted to do kind of our take on the Queen of England, like a Victorian style uh, shoot. And we found this amazing designer in Brooklyn who does like Afro-Victorian clothing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she would be perfect. <laughs> and so we connected with her. She was like, yes, I'm in. She agreed to ship the clothing to London. And so that we didn't have to, you know, these dresses were huge, right? So she shipped it directly to a, a friend that we had in London. First thing that happened was that we, she put in like the actual value of the, <laughs> the dresses. And so you know, she, we didn't realize like all the, the value added tax and everything that they do there. So our client got hit with a thousand dollar bill <laughs> just to be able to accept the package. Right. But then when we got there, we finally like drug all these dresses to the, the hotel we were shooting. And we were, we had our, back then we had like our old alien bees lights and yeah. we had the converter, but we didn't have what was power it? converter. We had the plug converter, but we yeah. didn't have the power converter yeah and so so we plug in our lights and just keeping in mind yeah. like this is a very famous hotel yeah it's like a fancy it's like a really really posh yeah. hotel right like we're like in, there yeah like, like we're shooting yeah. in their library right and um and I, we, I cut the light on yeah and the light started smoking and then i heard a little snap <laughs> and then it cut off so, you know, I had this happen to me before here. It's uh-huh. not that I was nothing up. Maybe it was just, just, you know. The outlet or something. Yeah. Break there. <laughs> right. I set up the second light and then I cut it on and it just made a loud noise and you could just see flames yeah. from, in the back of the, um, the light just go off. So the whole power to the first floor went off. Yeah, we had to like and the go guy to the comes front in <laughs> And I'm sitting there waving the fan away, like the smoke away from the fan and he comes in and he says, everything okay? I said, we all right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it was it was that was crazy that so was we we man. i was like so you know how i don't know if you've ever had anything go wrong during a shoot but i'm usually the one that is you know i'm trying to keep it together for the client so i'm like everything is okay yeah. like we're fine we it's always light things on fire it's part of our process <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but in my mind i am literally freaking out i'm yeah. looking at the back of the camera i'm like right. this is not what we wanted you know right. so what we ended up doing our makeup artist thank god had a ring light and 
we just used her continuous ring light and you would never, never know that the struggle behind that shoot, but. No, you wouldn't. And not only does it not look like a struggle, I mean, it's right front and center at the very beginning of the book and the photos are gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. And it actually is one of our, one of our favorite sessions. So yeah, yeah, it definitely. (laughs) That pretty much killed my life for the rest of the day. Yeah. You were like, no more alien bees. Right. right, Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh man. That's so good. Yeah. You guys had, I had heard that story before and I didn't want to tell you, tell this story. But yeah, that's, that's a good one. And I love that because I think it's really easy, especially when you're um, newer in the process or mm-hmm. anything else to, to look at people who are at a different place in their journey and be like, well, it's easy for them. And, or like, they always have it all set up. And it's one yeah, of the no, things that I love the most about you guys is that you, <laughs> you create this art that looks like something in a museum. And then, you know, you meet you guys and you're like, oh yeah. Come here, let me show you how I glued these you yes. know, plastic right, right, yes. to make this happen. Um, you yes. are like the true MacGyvers of studio. Exactly, furniture. exactly. But, you know, and I think a lot of that has to kind of do with our with our upbringing as well. Like, we definitely did not have, you know, we're not born with silver spoons in our mouth, yeah. right? Like, we had to, you know, just kind of take what we could get. So, you know, that kind of um, translated into our work, like, we started in our garage and, you know, and that's where we started shooting. So it makes it easier now we have, if we have a small space and we just have one little wall, that's what we're going to work with. Yeah. The question is what kind of magic are you going to be creating once you've got like this much bigger budget? And I can't even imagine, mm-hmm. but you know what they say? Like the bigger the budget, the bigger problems, right? I know. More money, yeah, more problems. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so. And I think that there's probably some truth to that, but still, I'm still excited to see. Yes, I look forward to it. <laughs> So your dedication, I love, I actually really love the introduction that you guys wrote and the foreword is fun too, but your dedication really hit me in the heart a little bit. The, to our parents and everyone who has ever supported our movement, this is our thanks to you. It was the word movement in there that really got me. I Mm -hmm. I mean, you're on the New York Times bestseller list. (laughs) Like what you did with your personal project has turned into like an international movement. How does that feel? It's, oh my God, it's surreal. It's surreal. It's amazing. And really, you know, I'm just really proud because I always wanted whatever we did to feel authentic. And I feel like this is definitely authentic. Like it is what we would do if we had nothing. (laughs) You know, it's what we did when we had nothing, right? And so it feels good to be in this space now, knowing that, you know, we're we're doing what we love and that people are receptive to it, right? Because you know, like I said, we were at a space where we were like, listen, we're doing this regardless of if people like it or not. And, you know, I think what I tell photographers is that in the beginning, you know, we had, it, it was really, you know, now, you know, people look at where we are now and they're like, oh, you know, that was so great. But back then it was like, what are you guys doing? Right. <laughs> what do you mean? You're going to photograph all these black kids. <laughs> like that wasn't a thing. Like it was, you know, you're, they were like, you're going to be laughed out of the industry and you know, people are not going to accept you. You know, it was, you know, a lot of the, the children's uh, fashion magazines didn't, you know, they were like, Oh, we like your work, but it's not really a good fit, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, it was for us, it was a matter of us saying, Hey, this is what we want to do. And so those that love it, will love it. And those that don't, then, you know, they'll find someone else. And so 
you know, I just, I, I feel really good about, you know, now being able to say where we are because like I said, we, it's, it's something that's authentic and it feels really real to us. And it's something that we would do regardless. And I can't thank, you know, our supporters enough because it's like the art is us, but yeah. the movement is everybody. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and it, it wouldn't mean nothing if it fell on deaf ears or blind eyes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I really thank everybody for, you know, supporting us and believing in us. Yeah, it's it's been, it's like just, I mean, we've had people with us from the beginning that are, you know, just have been in our corner and, you know, that just, that means so much. So, yeah. so yeah, that's why we wanted to, to dedicate that to, you know, we say the movement, right? Yep. Yeah, no, I love it. And then I imagine you could have had your choice of some pretty big names to put a quote about the book in the front inner cover. I know that Will Smith and Tyra Banks and some other people have featured your work, you know, big names. And I was really just blown away by Ibram X. Kendi's comment in the front jacket. And I'm just going to read it really quickly because I was like, ah, this is so true. He says, hardly any photo collection compares to the magic that is glory, a must for our home, a must for black children, for all children. And I totally am with him on that. I, first of all, I'm so excited to have this sitting proudly on my coffee table and my kids aren't little kids, but they're still kids. And they're super impressed that I'm friends with you guys. (laughs) You know, these guys, the people who made these photos, but I, you know, I do think that it is, it's just an amazing thing to walk into a Barnes and Noble or a Target and see this kind of like really substantial, beautiful book bringing that into mainstream culture in yeah, a way that I think it's just so necessary right yeah. There's, I, I can't think of m- much right now that's out there that really just celebrates black culture like that yeah. you know what I mean? and to have it on the on display for the world to see I think it's just it's so cool to me yeah <laughs> the idea that some kid in Kenya or Paris or you know wherever can see this and and get inspired it's just it's the best feeling that's awesome <laughs> yeah so you guys, the the book came out and yeah. you spent the day going around to different bookstores, taking pictures yeah. of it in the bookstores, which we did, I loved. We did. <laughs> Screaming and acting a fool, right? <laughs> and then what else did you do to celebrate? Oh gosh. What did we do? We actually we Yeah, we did a we did a little we did a little staycation. Yeah, we so we did a staycation that yeah. week just to get away. <laughs> yep. Because I'm like, oh yeah, we did. We did a staycation because we we also had yeah we had a lot of Zoom meetings and things like that. We we're like let's just go and you know have a <laughs> and then after that we got our precious Pixel our yes. new Poo, no. yes. <laughs> so that was that was a nice finishing gift. The, everyone knows that knows us knows Reg uh, knows that Reg has been wanting a dog for forever. Okay, <laughs> and I was always like we're too busy we don't have time you know and. We finally, I finally gave in. So, <laughs> so well, now, I've almost never seen a dog as cute as that oh, one. Oh, oh my goodness. Thank you. We love Pixel. Yes, we love her. <laughs> so yeah, she's definitely changed our world for sure. I'm sure. She's still mm-hmm. a little one. Yes, three months. <laughs> um, so you hinted at what is sort of on the horizon, but tell me more yeah. about what you guys have in the works. 
So we are currently working on a children's book next. So I don't even know if we can say the name of the title of it yet, but, but yeah, it will be a children's book with our, our work. And so we're super excited about that. And we also, so we also got a calendar deal, which is crazy. Like oh, we, nice. we had um, been doing our own calendars for so every, every year. So this will be the first published calendar with Workman Publishing. So we're super excited about that. Great. And is that going to be ready for 2021 or is that for the following? They start, so, so basically the way that works is they sell it in 2021, but it will be a 2022 calendar. Okay. So it will be released next year. Excellent. Well, Reg and Karen, tell everybody where they can find you online and on social media. Sure. So on um, Instagram and Facebook, we're at Creative Soul Photo and online it's creativesoulphoto.com and you can find all about us and Glory as well on our website. Excellent. And I am just going to say it again. I know I said it in the intro, but you guys need to get yourselves to your local bookstores (laughs) or any big bookstores, (laughs) but we're all supporting local these days and pick up your copy of Glory, Magical Visions of Black Beauty by Reg and Karen Bethencourt. You guys, thank you so, so much. What an amazing opportunity to talk to you. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm so, yes, I know. You guys are, have been family since, since the family narrative. So (laughs) yeah, well, we feel the same way. I know I speak for Kate and Posey as well, but, but anyway, it is a special honor to get to talk to you to celebrate this particular milestone. We just couldn't be happier for you. Thank you so much. We're so excited. (laughs) Wonderful. Have a great day and I will talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.